Good morning. I wonder if you could pick an era of history to live in, apart from this one, uh, which one would you pick? Have you ever asked yourself a question like that? Um, I don't know if you're into history, as I am, but I like to think back sometimes and wonder what it would be like to be an army officer in the Second World War, or to be in the Napoleonic Wars. On the, um, they're not all about wars, uh, but, but to be on a battleship with Admiral Lord Nelson, or to be seeing Napoleon, to be dressed in those fabulous uniforms and marching around. It would probably be pretty miserable when the cannons started firing, to be honest, but, um, but fun for, for at least the beginning. Or maybe you'd like to go further back and think what it would be like to be a Roman, wear a Roman toga, have a little short sword, be a part of a Roman army, or enjoy a Roman banquet, or um, be around the Mediterranean world when the Greeks were there. You could sit down and listen to some philosophy in the marketplace, or some great stories, or go to the theatre. I wonder what era of history you would pick. I wonder what country you'd want to live in. I wonder what language you would speak. I wonder why you'd pick that era of history. I wonder if, if you're a Christian, if sometimes you think back to Bible times, to the times when Jesus was here, and just wish that you could be there, that Jesus would be there with you, physically present, right there. Wouldn't that be amazing? Have you ever thought like that? I would, I would be so much more comforted, we might think, if Jesus put his arm around me, if Jesus looked me in the eye, and he said some comforting words to me, like, those stories about Peter's mother-in-law who's ill and Jesus goes to her, literal, literally to her bedside and lifts her up and heals her. I wonder if you've struggled with doubts before and wondered if, if you could just hear Jesus, if you could be there on that hillside in Galilee, listening to the Sermon on the Mount, that would change everything. Then you would, you'd have no doubts at all. Or if you've been wondering whether it's really true, wondering if you could just do a better job of explaining it to your family, then they could see that it's true as well. And you'd wish that he would be there, not just teaching you and helping you with your doubts, but teaching others and helping them with their doubts. Or maybe you've been accused by somebody in work. Um, maybe you just feel a bit silly for being a Christian and you wish somebody would come and speak on your behalf. Maybe you just feel rotten at the end of each day and you go to bed, you try and pray, but you don't feel that you can be close to God because of what you've done or because of what people have done for you. And you wish that Jesus would be there, comforting, speaking for you and to you, speaking to your friends and your family. Wouldn't it be great if we could just live in Jesus' time? Um, well, maybe if he could come and live in our time, it would be even better, wouldn't it? If he could be here bodily, because then we could still have our anesthetics and antiseptics and decent dental treatment and that kind of thing. So we wouldn't have to suffer all the pains and miseries and smells and um, ickiness of the first century life, but we could have Jesus in the flesh. Wouldn't that be great? And so we think about Christmas. Wouldn't it be amazing? to be there as one of the shepherds, as one of the wise men, seeing Jesus in Mary's lap, seeing Jesus carried around on the hip by Joseph. Wouldn't that be amazing to see it with our own eyes? Or maybe we'll think, as we're supposed to in Advent, about Jesus' second coming. Wouldn't that be amazing to see him face to face, no longer as a little baby, but as the king of all the universe, robed in splendor, announced by trumpets and angels singing, and we'll see him face to face and then we'll have no doubts and then we'll have no more tears, and then we'll have no sin. Wouldn't it be amazing? And yet here we are, living in between the times, living far, far away from the stable, when people saw him in the flesh first, far, far away from the cross, when they saw him pour out his own blood to cover our sins, far, far away from that day of resurrection, and that was 40 
wouldn't they just have been amazing days after the resurrection where Jesus was doing the rounds, meeting people, sometimes hundreds at a time, and telling stories and explaining sayings that had been mysterious before. And now everything is clear because he's risen from the dead. He's alive. Wouldn't that have been amazing? And yet here we live in between the times. He's not come back yet. It's been a long time since people saw him face to face. And we can sometimes feel a bit impoverished. We can sometimes feel a bit distant from God. And, and so Jesus knew that would happen. And we come to John chapter 14. I want to read it to you. Jesus knew this is what the disciples were beginning to feel. This is a whole long section in John's gospel. It starts in chapter 13, ends up in chapter 17, 18. This is the last night of Jesus' earthly life. Um, he's about to be arrested a few hours later. And in the morning, they'll drag him up a hill after taking him through kangaroo courts all night. They'll drag him up a hill and they'll crucify him. This is his last night. And he spends it teaching his disciples, praying with his disciples, washing their feet, trying to make it clear what the future is going to be like. The immediate future, he's going to die and rise again. The distant future, he's going to come back. He'll, he'll prepare a place for them. They're not going to be homeless forever. But then Jesus begins to feel, I think. He knows, you can see on the faces of the disciples as he's talking to them about leaving them, about dying. He can see on their faces that all the stories about future hope, the mansions in heaven, the place with the Father, is a, is a comfort, but it's still a bit of a distant comfort. And so he turns and he says this to them in John chapter 14. Can I read it to you? John chapter 14, verse 12. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing. And they will do even greater things than these, because I'm going to the Father. John 14, verse 12, if you've just been clicking it up. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask for me anything in my name, and I will do it. Did you catch that at the end of verse 12? I am going to the Father, going away. So this is supposed to be comfort. He's going to tell us what's happening in the present time, after his first coming and before the second coming. He's going to say, that he's going to be present with us. But how? Verse 15, if you love me, keep my commandments and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. So God's going to be present in us, with us, the spirit of truth is going to be sent from the Father, given by the Lord Jesus. And he says, verse 18, this is a beautiful verse. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Did you hear that? I'll send my spirit to you, the spirit of truth. I will come to you by the spirit of truth. So he's not going to leave us as orphans. I will come to you before long. The world won't see me anymore. But you will see me because I live you also will live. On that day, you'll realize that I'm in the Father and you are in me and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, this is a different Judas, said, but Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. It isn't just for you 12, but anyone who comes to follow me, who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the father who sent me. 
All this I've spoken while still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give you as the world gives. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. See, Jesus can see they're afraid, can't he? Can you feel it? He's trying to encourage them. He's trying to help them to know that actually it wouldn't have been better if you were back there on that hillside, seeing him face to face. Actually, you have everything they had then and more right now. That it will be wonderful when we see him face to face. It really is going to be beautiful. He's going to wipe away every tear. It'll be terrifying in some ways, but there'll be peace and the world will be as it's meant to be forever. It'll be great, but right now we have amazing blessings. God hasn't left us alone. He hasn't left us as orphans. He's doing what he's always promised to do, to live with his people and in his people forever. I wonder if you've ever picked that theme up um, through the Bible. Should we do a quick Bible overview? Right back in the beginning, Adam and Eve. Um, they sin, they turn away from God. After he's put them in a beautiful, perfect world, and it seems like God has been in the habit of coming down and walking with them in the cool of the day when the work is done in the evening. God comes down and spends personal time with his people. But then they sin and turn away from him. And God comes down in the cool of the day and he's searching for them and looking for them. And they hide away from him. And then they're put out of the garden. We looked at that a couple of weeks ago. They're put out of the garden, away from his presence, east of Eden, down the mountain, out of God's presence and into the dusty world to die. And that's been the story of humanity ever since. Always longing to be back in God's presence. And yet also, to be honest, not wanting to be in his presence because we know it'll show up the dirt in our own lives, because we know that if we're in his presence, we have to do as he says, and we really would rather do as we say. So we're east of Eden with this kind of tug of war going on inside our hearts where we want to be back with him and, and life to the full is found in him, but we don't want to be with him. We want to run our own lives, thank you very much. And so the whole of the Old Testament is this tug of war where God comes to us and we run away from him where God gives us kings that remind us and point us towards him, but we rebel and turn, turn against them, or they rebel and turn against him, where he builds a temple. Solomon builds a temple, and he gets the idea. He wants God to come and live with them, but he says these immortal words. He says, but look, look at this finished temple. It's beautiful, and it really was beautiful. But can this temple even contain you? Not even the whole of the heavens can contain you. So how can this little brick building we've made, glorious as it is, how can it contain you? And, and we might hear God say to Solomon, well, all right, something you've built can't contain me, but what about the thing I've built? What about humanity? What about the hearts of these people made in my image? And as they stand together as our whole temple, maybe they could be filled with the Spirit. You see, God seems to have this desire to come and live with us, to be close with us. So he was in the tent in the Israelite camp in the Exodus. He's in the temple with Solomon. He's in amongst the people, even when they're sent far away from the land into Babylon. And then, what do we read in the Christmas story? What's this boy going to be called? Emmanuel, God with us. Do you see? God seems to have this in unstoppable desire to come close to people who want to run away from him. He wants to come and live with us. It's in Ezekiel as well, these obscure verses, Ezekiel 37, 27. Or God says, I will make a covenant of peace with them. It will be an everlasting covenant. I'll establish them and increase their numbers and I'll put my sanctuary among them forever. My dwelling place will be with them. I will be their God and they will be my people. 
God wants to come close and be with us and be among us and live with us. And then he sends his son to do just that, to be Emmanuel, God with us. Behold your God walking in the streets of Nazareth, teaching on the hills of Galilee, floating, walking on the, on the water, quieting the storms, healing the people, casting out spiritual darkness in the demons, defeating Satan himself. This is God with you among us forever. And then he says he's going to leave. But he promises in this. It's just a beautiful chapter that he really isn't, isn't going far away from us at all. He'll leave us in body, but he'll be with us in spirit. And Jesus, did you hear him right at the beginning of the reading say, very truly, I tell you, if I don't go, I can't send the comforter. You'll do even, when I do send the comforter, you'll do even more than I'm doing now. It'll be better for you that I go than if I were to stay. Do you believe that? Have you ever thought about that? Well, how can that be true? Well, we need to think about who this spirit is. The one who sent, he's the spirit of truth. He's the comforter. He's the advocate. Lots of different ways, really, of translating one word. And it's the word paraclete, which is not parakeet, not a, a kind of parrot bird. Paraclete with an L in there. It's a Greek word, parakletos. It means something like helper, advocate, encourager, comforter, the one who comes side by side and walks with you through the dark times, the one who stands up for you in court, the one who brings the truth to be known, the one who will sit with you through the hard times. It's a hard word to translate with one word in English. It's why there's lots of different ways. He's the advocate. He's the comforter. He's the spirit of truth. So let me give you three quick things to think about the spirit as we, um, as we go on. Three things, they all begin with S. What does he do? Well, he strengthens us because he's the comforter. He gives us security because he's the advocate. And he gives us certainty um, because he's the spirit of truth. It doesn't quite begin with S, but it sounds like it. So, okay, strength, security, and certainty. That's what the spirit brings to us because he's bringing Christ to us. That's what Jesus brought. And this is the spirit of Jesus given to us from the Father where Jesus promises that he himself will come to us, where he and the Father will come and make their home with us. He's saying, I stand at the door and knock. Do you remember that in Revelation? Famous verse, famous paintings. I stand at the door and knock. Anyone who opens that door, the door of your heart to him, what does he promise? He promises that he'll come in and make his home with us. That's in Revelation. It's a beautiful offer. And what's it going to be like if God comes to dwell with us, within our own hearts personally, and with us as a church? What does it look like? Well, it looks like comfort. Whatever you're going through, when you're thinking, oh, wouldn't it just be amazing for him to put his arm around me, to look me in the face and help me? Do you realise that he's doing that right now? That by the Spirit, he is here among us. And not just in one place in Galilee. So you could take a plane and go and visit him and wait in the queue and have his arm around you and have him say some words. But, but for anyone who'll come, all at once, people over the other side of the world, people in different time zones, in different languages, in different nations can have the Lord Jesus put his arm around them, wrap his wing around them and give us comfort and strengthen us. He does that by his spirit. Have you known that, his comfort? Coming to you and to others in the church all at the same time, through his word, through his help, through his felt presence as the shepherd. He's the comforter and so he brings us strength. And it is a strengthening thing, isn't it? When you're going through something hard, sometimes you don't want anybody to speak. Sometimes you just want somebody to sit next to you and be there. Well, this is who the paraclete is. This is who the Holy Spirit is, the comforter who comes to be with us.
We're not left of orphans. We're not left as orphans. He's there with us. So he's the comforter who gives us strength and he's the advocate who gives us security. Have you ever been accused of something and you just know it wasn't true and you wish somebody would speak up, somebody who knew the real truth of the situation would come and defend you? Well, do you know that in the courts of heaven, in the courts of history where it really matters what, what he thinks of you, you have an advocate. You have somebody who comes along and says, I know, I know they've sinned, but they've been washed. I know, I know their heart's grown cold, but we promised to bring them close and to hold them close as, as children. We have an advocate who, even when we don't know how to pray, prays with groans too deep for words. It says that in Romans 8, 26 and 27. Go and look that up. Even when you don't know what to pray, what to say for yourself, the Spirit comes alongside and within and in the presence of God himself, who loves you, by the way, the Spirit speaks and reminds us and reminds God as if he needed reminding that we're his children, that we're washed by his blood, that even though we're sinners, we're welcome. Can I read you that one John who was in the room that night? John was in the room that night and he says this in his letter. 1 John chapter 2. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, listen to this. If anyone does sin, and who doesn't? We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He's the atoning sacrifice for our sins, not only for us, but also for the sins of the whole world. So who do you have standing for you, standing up for you, speaking truth about you? In the very courts of heaven, you have Christ himself and his spirit praying with you and for you and bringing you into God's presence to the Father who loves you to say they belong. These dirty, rotten sinners, these people who've made a mess of their lives, they belong. They really do. Not because of anything they've done. Not because of any prayers or giving or whatever we might think counts on our behalf, but because the Spirit speaks on our behalf. We belong. So you're secure. It doesn't matter what people think of you. In, in the grand scheme of things, when all is said and done, it really doesn't matter what people think of you. It matters what God thinks of you. And what does he think of you? Love and welcome and forgiveness. He has called you his child and given you a spirit to make you know that as well as your advocate. He's the one who speaks for you and with you. So that should give you great security. doesn't matter what people think of me. doesn't matter even what I think of myself. What matters is what God thinks of me and he loves me. That's what the spirit says. He's your advocate. He's your comforter. He's your advocate. He's the one who gives you strength. He's the one who gives you security because he's the spirit of truth. We've said this already, haven't we? He speaks truth in God's court. Speaks truth, though, as well to our hearts. Flick on a little bit to chapter 16 and read in between and you'll see two or three times the spirit, the paraclete's called the spirit of truth. He's the one who comes and convicts us and shows us who we really are. Who doesn't soft pedal it, but shows us who we really are and then shows us Jesus as he really is. Speaks truth. Helps these apostles remember what Jesus said to them. It's one of his jobs, helps them remember so they could write down these stories and we could trust them. He's the spirit of truth, helps us see who we are so we don't have to hide ourselves anymore. He's the spirit of truth, helps us to see who Jesus is as the saviour, as the lover, as the son who's given himself for us and poured out his own blood. He's the spirit of truth <laughs> who helps you see yourself and see Jesus and see, did you see? To see the father, to see that Jesus is the one who you can trust to bring you to the Father, 
to see that the Father is the one who loves you. He's not an angry God in heaven, looking down, waiting for you to fail so he can just toss you into hell. It's not like that. He's not like that. He's the Father who loves you, who's given his own son, and who welcomes you to know himself. So will that comfort you? Will you let that comfort you this week? That God has given you the Spirit, something even better than being on that hillside in Galilee. Something that's actually a foretaste of being with him on that great day into the next chapter of human history and the new heavens and the new earth. We get a taste of that right now because God is close to us in comfort, strengthening us. Because God speaks for us as our advocate and and makes us secure. Because he's the spirit of truth. So are you struggling? Are you doubting? You're not really sure if it's all true? Sounds like some great big myth, this Christmas story. Well, come and ask him to give you more of his spirit. Come and ask him to make you useful in the world, to go out and feed the hungry, to go out and heal the sick, to go out and help the struggling, to go out and speak truth to the confused and those who are stuck in spiritually dark places. We can go and do what Christ has done. We can pray big prayers. Did you see that? What a wonderful promise. You have his heart. And so when you pray in his name on his behalf, he answers your prayers. So let's pray some big things. Because his spirit is with us. He's with us. He's come to make us home. So let's pray that that would be a reality to us. Why don't we do that? It feels sometimes like it's it's just out there, truth in the Bible. Maybe not something that we feel day by day. Should we pray that we would feel the shepherd's crook nudging, <laughs> nudging us in the side, that we would feel his hand carefully pick us up and comfort us, that we'd hear his voice advocating, speaking for us, even when we don't know what to say for ourselves, and that we'd know truth as we hear his witness to us in our hearts. Come on, let's pray that this would be real to us because it is more real than anything you can ever imagine. It doesn't always feel like that. So let's pray for help. Lord, we thank you that you are the helper. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you you came on that Pentecost day to do what you've always wanted to do, to bring the presence of the Father and of the Son into, into the lives of people like us. Lord, we follow after Adam and Eve. We so often want to run away from you and so often want to live our own way and take the reins and make our own decisions. Lord, we're sorry for that willfulness. We're sorry for that drifting, for that wandering, for how we've walked away from your presence. Yet, Lord, we want to be close to you. We want to know your arm around us. We want to know your whisper in our our ear, your witness in our heart. So we pray that you do that. That today would be the day when we hear from you, when we know your closeness, when we know you as the comforter, when we know you as the shepherd, when we know you as the advocate, when we know you as the one who's come into our hearts sat down and made your home in us. Lord, we are sorry for how we've sinned, for how we've made our lives a place that really isn't fit for you, fit for a king. Lord, we're little stables, smelly stables. And yet you love to come to people like us and make your home in our hearts. So we pray that you do that. We pray that we would feel that, that we would know that to be true. And Lord, that we would live out what it means to be people filled with your spirit this week. Um, Together and personally, Lord, in this world, help us to live as people who are filled with your spirit, we pray. Amen.